Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Offside, the suburbs of New York City in an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney, those sounds you're hearing, the sounds of Chelsea supporters outside of Stamford Bridge upon hearing the news that their club was pulling out of the Super League and thus the untangling had begun. What's up, brother? Oh, man, I, I feel elated. This, this feels like, like we've stopped something horrendous. Football fans have won. Someone, tw- someone emailed us. A listener emailed us and said, "Did, did the, did the people win? Did we win?" Unreservedly, I can sit here and say, "We won," and I've never been happier to hear the cries of joy from Chelsea fans. <laughs> I've never been happy for that to happen, except today. This, it's been a. From the, from the initial rollout of this, I guess it would be roughly, depending on when you're listening, 48, 65, however many hours ago. Yeah. Have we, in this sport, or like dare I say any sport, have we seen a, a two to three day stretch quite like this? The, the highs and lows, the twists and turns, the stories of backstabbing and betrayal, uh, the high profile entities involved. This is... This is just like, oh my God, I'm I'm out of breath keeping tabs with what's gone on here. This has been utter madness. Jonathan Wilson got it right. Fair play to Florentino Perez. He said modern attention spans were getting shorter, looked at the 123-year-old football league, realized that wouldn't do, and devised a competition that was done and dusted 48 hours after it began. Well said. Truly well said. Oh, it's been a roller coaster. Um I literally, my nerves were frayed. And just as as the news broke of City and Chelsea wobbling and pulling out, more than wobbling, they were pulling out at this point. I took a nap for an hour. I fell asleep on the sofa. Mm. And I woke up (laughs) to the groveling statements flooding from the rest of the EPL teams. Unbel- I've never seen anything happen like this. I've never seen something. By the way, it wasn't hyperbole for Tarek to write, uh, his, or for Tarek's sub-editor to write a seismic moment for European football on Sunday, mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. That was not hyperbole. We were staring at the dissolution of the football pyramid, uh, the football club pyramid in European soccer. And now, if anything, that pyramid is emboldened. The fans are emboldened. They stared down the aggressors, those that that would destroy us, and said, enough is enough. And actually, that's what happened. It's the most incredible element of this. Um, There haven't been a ton of things since this all began to feel good about. But the, I mean, really, the, the unified response from fans around the world and I want to emphasize world because like, I feel like as the American on this podcast, it's, you know, the United States in this has played a little bit of a dark role in JP Morgan's involvement, the Glazers, John Henry, 
um, Stan, Stan. Kroenke. I mean, like it's we we can see, and even if you want to talk about the model that they were reaching towards with the Super League, there there is certainly an American model that that you can mm. look to franchises, things like that. Um, but I, I do think it's important to point out in terms of fans and fan culture. I have a lot of American friends that are diehard soccer fans. They were horrified just like we were just like English fans, just like, you know, fans all over the globe. I do think that that is important to point out. And I oh, think, I think fans here are, are celebrating this news in the way that many fans around the world are as well. You want to know how many out of all the emails we got and we got a lot. Um, we, and I can't even count the hundreds, probably thousands of responses we got via Twitter and social media. So add that all together. That's a good sample size. And we have a big enough listenership to be, for me to be confident. We had two voices in favor of a Super League. The first voice just messaged us this evening and left a, a long message. I didn't get a chance to read all of it, but they were in favor of a Super League. Okay. But the very first voice, the lone voice when this broke on Sunday was someone, I won't name him because I don't want to bring heat on him, but someone who suggested that this was a great idea, that that's what fans wanted, and that maybe MLS teams could be involved in this Super League. I'm like... You know what? I hadn't thought of that. I think we should take that under advisement. <laughs> I, I'm starting to change my mind. Jesus. I think we should go back to the Super League. But, 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 but um, and, and let me circle back um, to what you said, because I think it's important. Um, and it, it's important. We, we said uh, prior to... Tariq Panja joining us on this morning. Imagine this morning's podcast. We're now doing emergency podcasts to respond to earlier emergency podcasts that were off of emergency podcasts. Who do we think we are? NPR. Um, this is the Caught Offside News Network. <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but going back to what, you know, to Tariq's interview and and, and when we spoke about things, you know, we, we talked about uh, that this was a kind of a shoddy setup and we wondered had they their homework done. I firmly believe that they looked at it. And as we said, they wanted to bulldoze ahead with it. Let's we're going to drive on until this thing is a reality that fans must accept. Okay. But what they didn't count on, I'm pretty sure I thought, I think they just took it for granted that American soccer fans who let's be honest, European football has been courting America for how many years now, Andrew? Would you say 15, 20 years? America and the Far East as well, I would say. Right. I think that they thought those fans would totally accept it. Now, I can't safely say that the Far East wouldn't have just accepted it. Um, but the reaction in America was the exact opposite to what they would have banked on. I'm pretty sure. One day we'll hear more from the people involved. And I wonder how deeply they'll go into what you're talking about. But I, I can't help but think that scenes of the Rose Bowl for an international champions cup match, utterly meaningless yeah. in the summer, reserve players playing in the game and a hundred thousand people in the stands watching it. I can't help but think that those, those moments moved the needle and seeing, oh my God, look what these people, look, this, there is an untapped population of fans here that are dying for this. I, I think you're, you're probably right, JJ. I rarely go to I, uh, ICC games um, because they're too expensive. Like for, for half. I went, right. Didn't we go, what was it? Liverpool, Man City, Yankee stadium. 
Yeah, now you're giving was away. Was that ICC our, or was that? I, I don't know. I think that was a standalone friendly, but okay. you're giving away the fact that we're privileged. We sat in a box. How dare you? We are supposed to be the men of the common men in the stands. Was that where we sat in the box? Yeah, we sat in the box. And that, that's the time I went, I walked into the FSG box, remember? Oh, right. Suddenly you're just like hobnobbing with uh, Kenny Dalglish, right? Yeah. yeah. Was, was Gerard Houllier, was he there? Uh, Kenny Dalglish was there. Ian Rush was there. Robbie Fowler and, and, uh, and me, you. Ian Rush, Kenny Dalglish are drinking whiskey and taking selfies. <laughs> Unbelievable. I, was in, um, I, I wasn't even supposed to be in that box. I just no, obviously not. To the Fenway Sports Group box. Anywho, um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely think that they, they thought that Americans would, would be on board with this, big, and, and they weren't. Amer- no. You know, Americans love European soccer for the same reasons that we love it. Um, they do love the jeopardy. They do love the danger. They do love the excitement. And, um, and even though can- our roots don't go back as deeply with it as families who grew up there – like the tradition and the rivalries and mm. you know, like it, it sucks you in as an American fan. It's, it's but like, fun... if you talk about our, our mutual friend, Doug, like Doug didn't grow up in it, but you couldn't have a conversation with Doug and go away thinking that he doesn't get it. Right. To use that phrase. You, you, you just couldn't. I've spoken to him so many times, like he completely gets it. And, um, and he, he would want, uh, no part of this and and that was a miscalculation um on their part can we um, uh, can we talk about you touched on it but the rollout of this and yes. the role because we spent on our earlier podcast which by the way even though the news has changed rapidly i still suggest you listen to oh. uh I, there's certainly parts of it that are i believe still very pertinent and worth worth listening to Ta- Tarek took us inside inside the ESL and what exactly was going on and the inside the power brokers of European soccer. I'm not even joking. You, you have to was, listen to it for what Tarek says. So, but we talked a lot about the shoddy rollout. We kept calling oh. it that the shoddy rollout, the fonts, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever. Um, I, I do think, and it's, it's mind boggling with the money that was probably spent on PR people who's, who are supposedly experts in this, um, the way that this was rolled out, Tarek spoke a lot about hearts and minds, yes. hearts and minds. If you're going to launch this sort of venture that you know is going to be controversial, maybe they didn't fully understand the depth of how controversial, but you knew this was not going to be well-received at large. Um, to launch this venture without seemingly any campaign whatsoever to try to stir people's emotions for the positive uh, in what this could mean for you as a fan, none of that, just a simple press release, words on a piece of paper, no, no grand press conference where they put all these guys out on a stage and they can talk about, you know, the benefits of this, why this is good for you. None of that. It was so cold, the rollout of this new league that I think it just gave the fans even more of a feeling that this is not about us. This is clearly just men in a boardroom bathing in their money. And this idea that fans don't matter, it it just seems so prevalent in the way this is rolled out. And I'll be honest, if I were a, a, a professor at a college in this country that taught public relations, the rollout of this in particular would be part of my course curriculum for decades to come because it was that 
much of a PR disaster. They didn't even make a hype video. They probably couldn't make a hype video. They probably didn't have the rights. UEFA would have stopped them. <laughs> right. from using yeah. the, Here's the, the, Benzema at the Alfredo De Stefano training. Everyone excited yet? <laughs> Unbelievable. By the way, what gets you hot for soccer more than like Andrea Agnelli's bland and meaningless statements written in a different font to the one you just read on the other page? And also Joel Glazer. Ooh, yeah. Uh, incredible. By the way, the... Uh, that is one of the sticking points right now. And I, I, I don't want to fast forward to, to the fallout, which I'm sure we'll get to. Oh, yeah. But I was listening to the Anfield Rap, which is the, the preeminent Liverpool podcast, supporters podcast. They're enraged by the fact they don't hear from John Henry. John Henry doesn't speak. John Henry doesn't talk about these things. And I think if you, if you look at that, what did they do? Florentino Perez as Tarek pointed out this morning, rolled out onto some Spanish late night TV show, blathering, desperate, talking about people not watching the game, talking about shortening the game, talking about how this is needed to be done to save football. It's what we've discovered now is that Real, if you, if we thought Barcelona have no money, Real Madrid have no money either, not a penny. And this was all going to solve these problems for themselves. And those problems aren't going away. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to these clubs now. Yes. We'll talk about that in a sec because yep. that is going to be fascinating. Um, the, the one other thing I wanted to talk about in terms of the rollout and, and the role that played in this, you can't help but wonder credit to, to us and to, to many people who harped on this right from the get-go. I just personally couldn't let go of the fact that when this was rolled out, there were there was this conspicuous absence of three clubs. The fact that it was 12 teams when we were promised 15 with the five right. additional invitees. That those three absences spoke volumes to me. Um, and, and I think now we we know that it was kind of supposed to be Bayern Munich, Borussia Dortmund, and PSG. And those clubs, for any number of reasons, decided not to. And you just can't help but wonder, A if this was doomed from the start and B why they chose to go forth with this without having those clubs on board. It can it's only, it can only lead me to the conclusion like you talked about that they just were not anticipating this backlash because once the backlash occurred, it almost became a completely untenable position for those three clubs to witness that backlash and then say, yeah, we still want in. So now they were completely screwed. Uh, and I just, I have to believe once again, the, the fans voice, the media's voice uh, that, that spoke so loudly against this played a role in preventing those three along with the 50 plus one model, obviously um, in, in Germany. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think that that was, that was important to keeping this just a 12-team venture, which essentially meant it was not going to work. Worse than that, and again, Tarek said it, a three-country venture. Mm -hmm. Like, right. how can you do a pan-European competition that doesn't have France and Germany locked in from the get, locked in from the start? Well, again, that was another one of these elements that led you to believe they don't care. You know, we talked about how like in looking at the way that this was rolled out, that these teams were being used, not as teams that meant something to people, but just as corporations through which to make money. Like clearly there was a hit in the credibility of this competition. So 
for all of us to see that and know that, it must just mean, well, JP Morgan's going to give us our money anyway. We don't really care if this winds up being a credible competition. We'll still get rich. I mean, that is how it looked to the common fan. I think they thought fans were fools. They'll eat this up because they know these brand names. They love these clubs and these players. But not this time. Fans were smarter than that and recognized what was going on here. Uh, Miguel Delaney's piece is, is another piece that's essential reading, which kind of charts what happened today. Um, and this is from the opening paragraph. A greedy power grab that had caused more unifying fury than the game had ever known instead became an embarrassing collapse. Some of the most oppressively big clubs in football, as well as some of its most obnoxious and reviled figures, have faced a humiliation of huge proportions. It is worse than any on-pitch defeat, any 6-1. The big clubs this time didn't get their way. I mean, it is an unbelievably humiliating moment for for those clubs, some of which are are our clubs. Um, Mm -hmm. A win for their supporters. And... um, and you wonder, you wonder what happens now at Tottenham. We've already seen Ed Woodward effectively fall on his sword. Although he was on the way out, we understand, at United anyway. I mean, his resignation was, was one of the statements on the, on the United Twitter today. Um, By the way, a massive story unto itself that will completely just get sucked up in just how huge this entire story is. Well, do we, I mean, the reaction to the Super League... And, and, and Woodward being a reviled, one of the reviled figures, like United fans have laid the blame at his door, rightly or wrongly, in terms of the direction of the club for a long, long time. So he just realized there's no way I can survive what's coming now after this. And I wonder about Stan Kroenke, John Henry. I wonder, can they survive the fallout from this? So... Right now, my feeling is no. Now, just because I feel that way, I don't know that that necessarily matters. Like, do they care if people hate them at the club? Does that mean that they have to sell? No. No. They can they can go on just being a hated figure um, uh, and, and that's continuing good, to make money. That's a good point. Um, so, and, and just like just to widen the conversation a bit, Simon Cooper, uh, the author tweeted this because Atletico Madrid pulled out. So he goes, what about Atletico Madrid? Their CEO, biggest shareholder is Miguel, a- M- Miguel Angel Gil Marin, quiet business-like son of narcissist, former club president, Jesus Gil, E. Gil. M- Miguel sees himself as a smart US type businessman, a modernizer, very super league type, but he cannot buck the fans. A big difference between Gil at Atleti and John Henry the Glazers, Kroenke, and Abramovich is that Heel is a local who lives just outside Madrid. It's easier to alienate your fans if you live in some mansion in the US where you can never meet them and they can't hassle you. And I think that's that speaks to your point. They, maybe it's All just... Right, bit, yeah, right. All right, hate me, fine. As I continue to get rich off of your love of this team. And I don't go to games anymore. I mean, Kroenke hardly goes to games. Uh... The Glazers hadn't been to United in how many months? Years, maybe? John Henry, a more regular figure. Um, maybe not from now on. Well, it was easy for him to be because he... Was successful. He, he was successful, the fans. And he was seen as... Um, his reputational damage is huge. Um, 
there have been some missteps, which I won't go into, but well, the furloughs over the summer, that furloughs, was a, that was a tickets, big one. Um, you know, there have been missteps by him at Liverpool, but genuinely, Andrew, he they they were seen as the good venture capitalists because the club was winning. Yeah, and was there was like again listening to the Anfield rap, there was a sense that oh, they get our club, they understand us. It's this is look, this I, I'm not more. I'm not making fun of Liverpool fans for feeling that way, but with success comes those sort of feelings about those in charge. John Henry is probably the same guy today as he was when Liverpool beat Tottenham to win the Champions League and everybody like he's he hasn't changed but like with success of course why wouldn't you love him but he's he was always this guy the awkward the awkward attempts over the years of merging Shankly's socialist vision for the club and John Henry's <laughs> now hypercapitalism is not going to work anymore the backlash from the from the rest of 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 the football league and the fourteen teams in the Premier League for the six returning rats from the sinking ESL ship is is going to be something. And I mean, I just keep hearing echoing in my head. I wish I had the drop. Um, Tony Hayward uh, of BP Oil from his character on South Park. Right. Uh, if you've ever seen that episode, it's just. He's kind of just like going on this campaign around the world, just saying, sorry, I'm sorry, sorry. Speaking it's the whole of, episode. Speaking I just of picture so- all these guys kind of like sheepishly walking into a boardroom with the other 14 clubs there, just being forced to apologize and the humiliation. Oh, but they speaking, deserve it. Speaking, uh, can we, the statements flooded in. I just want to read a couple of Liverpool football club statement was dry and unapologetic. LFC can confirm that our involvement in proposed plans to form a European Super League has been discontinued. Proposed plans? Hmm. In recent days, the club has received representations from various key stakeholders, both internally and externally, and we would like to thank them for their valuable contributions. No, you were told exactly where to go with your Super League. Um, Arsenal, though. Oh. As a result of listening to you and the wider football community over recent days, we are withdrawing from the proposed Super League. We made a mistake and we apologize for it. <laughs> We're sorry. Yep. I mean, it sounds like something that like the flight attendant would say on a delayed flight over the intercom of an airplane. Like, We're but flying I, I, look, it's 2,500 feet. We'd uh, just like to apologize for some turbulence uh we'll be landing pretty soon uh if you look out your right hand side you can see uh arsenal stadium uh a tome of uh mediocrity uh, nothing super about them okay folks i mean that's look at least they had the wherewithal to include an apology in their statement but that's what we're going to see now though is this kind of pandering to fans whether or not fans will accept it that remains to be seen. Ultimately, they will. We don't want to hate the teams that we love. It comes down to that. We may uh, forever, we may never forgive ownership. Uh, like, you know, last week, Daniel Levy, uh, and I don't know exactly how much this is his fault. This might even be above him with Joe Lewis and, and the Enoch group at Tottenham. But like, you know, if Dan, Daniel Levy was a part of this last week, he was somebody a lot of Tottenham fans couldn't stand that I would tend to defend somewhat 
you know, he, he's overseen their rise. Uh, but like now today, I think if he had a, a major hand in this, it's, this is, this, this is the kind of stuff that's unforgivable. You know, they wanted to go ahead with this plan that would essentially ruin the sport. Uh, so like, uh, it goes back to the initial conversation we had JJ about how we view our clubs and, and the, the teams that we root for, like, are we, are we saps? Are we fools? If we just like Tottenham's going to play in a cup final this weekend. If I throw on my, uh, if I go full kit W it, like, am I just like a, a fool who got sucked right back in and, and I'm once again, part of the problem or is, can I do that and separate the team that I love from the ownership that tried to ruin them? Um, I, I, th- I think you should separate. I think that's what all fans should do. I, uh, this was, yeah, it's, po- it's this hard. Was, this was posted four years by, uh, the Nottingham forest supporters group, uh, Forza Garibaldi, whoever's names above the door, whoever holds the key, they'll never own my football club. It belongs to you and me. That seems like a, a rather saccharine and kind of trite little limerick or, or poem, but it's true. The football club is the badge the community where it comes from and the fans that support it. You're not, you're not doing what Rob Lowe did when he went to the NFL game and wore the NFL hat. Really? Cause I've already ordered a UEFA jacket. <laughs> well, maybe after today you will. <laughs> Don't forget that the institution stood firm um, in the face of this as well. So maybe we should all go out and buy, um, maybe I'll get a t-shirt with Seraphin, um, Seraphin's head on it. I so, tried to get you a gift like that over, uh, over Christmas. It, didn't work, JJ. I wasn't allowed. There was rights violations. Yeah, yeah. Did did you feel today? Um, because it it, it seemed like a, a house of cards. Everything was collapsing. Did you feel today like it was almost cinematic the way this thing fell apart? Absolutely. I, in fact, I was playing scenes from movies in my head where this has <laughs> essentially happened. Like I'm yeah. one of these guys who loves. Like there are some movies that I love, like really love that I've seen a hundred times that I don't know if anyone else has seen Syriana is one of them. Right. Okay. Like, I just love it. But like, there's a whole scene in it of like how they're going about trying to stage a coup and all of the like behind the scenes dealings, trying to get generals on board. And then it slowly kind of unravels. And like, I, I it felt kind of like this, like on a far less dramatic scale, obviously this wasn't, I mean, this is a sporting coup. I thought of the Godfather scene where, where Michael settles all his scores in one, the, the baptism revenge scene, um, especially when we heard Woodward was resigning. And then we heard the incorrect rumors so far that Andrea Agnelli was gone at Juventus as well and that um, Florentino Perez was under pressure. So I thought of the baptism scene from Godfather where we just see, in nomineo patris spiritu santi, do you, do you reject Satan? And uh, then the next thing you see, someone getting shot in a lift. Like the, that music kicks in. Kicks in, and then you see the Mo Green special. Um, Oof, that's like, a tough one. It was all falling apart like uh, at once. Um, thankfully, no one was shot in the eye in, in, in real life. No, certainly. Um, now, one of the other things that I've been thinking about is obviously the fallout. Um, you know, today fans around the world, we saw, you know, we played for you the scenes outside of Stanford Bridge at the start of the podcast. Celebrations were breaking out like clubs won cup finals today. However, 
the dust will settle from this. And while maybe we can go back to the normal that we all enjoyed, um, things are going to change here. I, I do believe that. Now, for example, like while we've all been sucked up into the madness of the Super League, oh, by the way, the Champions League format is different. They passed it on Monday. There's a new Champions League format now. It's completely different, almost unrecognizable to the well, format the, that we've loved over the, the last 30 years. The group stage is, is gone. They're, they're going to make sure there's more games in it. Um, it's, uh, it's the Swiss model. Uh, and um, I think there's going to be a lot of people who will remember the second group stage of the Champions League at the start of the 2000s, which was just... Well, the group stage is gone now. They've added four more teams. So it's 36 clubs up from 32. Um, the the way it will be imbalanced schedules for how teams play each other. Eight, The top eight after playing 10 matches will get in uh, to the knockout stage automatically. And then there will be sort of like a, a qualifying two-leg round to get the next eight in. And then on top of that, there's also this a uh, kind of historical coefficient that they've snuck through, which is essentially in some ways it's the safeguard for some of the big clubs where three yeah. clubs based on historical coefficient uh, will, will also be allowed into the champions league, which is kind of what you know, the super league was that on steroids, but essentially it's, it's a rule that was implemented within this new champions league to sort of appease these big clubs and kind of give them, you know, an extra landing spot should they not qualify on merit. So if, if the changes have already begun right underneath us. My, if, if I'm seraphim, I'm going back and all that, and I'm going straight back to the, the, the format we're operating right now. And I'm, and I'm going Michael Corleone as well. Um, his offer to the Senator, here's my offer. My offer is nothing to those six clubs. I am, I am telling them. And, and you're right. Like we have to deal you know, when the dust settles, we have to deal with the inequalities. We have to deal with the fact that the, the Premier League TV deals are just so ginormous that they are sucking the life out of European football, creating monsters of their own in their own league. Like Manchester City and Chelsea did a good thing today, but they are still part of the problem. You know, Liverpool, still part of the problem. United, still part of the problem. So you're right. I don't believe this is supposed to be an uplifting podcast. So I don't want to drift back down a cynical road, oh, drift. but, but I don't, I don't think that the humbling that just took place here for these 12 clubs, I don't think that it's going to change them. So you don't think, what, I, I what think Tarek that, said this morning, his, his best case scenario was that this this whole episode will cause people to think more about, you know, reforms in football. So the fact of the matter is these clubs, I'm sure even in their humbled state right now, they still believe that they are carrying this sport and they still believe that they are not getting a fair piece of the pie. And this new champions league format, as we clearly have seen does not appease them because they knew it was coming and they broke off from it anyway in the most sinister fashion possible. Um, so I do believe that they're going to want more. And I think that there will be some sort of talks, negotiations, something to try to appease them. 
Um, because while this is a, obviously a, a win for UEFA, a win for domestic soccer, a win for the fans, um, you know, ultimately these clubs are vital to the success of, of the league. And, you know, they're, everybody's celebrating today. Um, but like. They're vital because they're, we've they're, made them so. And they've been propped up and they've got the cut of the TV deals. And, but there's no going and, back. Though. And there's history. No, but there is there is a way and a means. And we know what it is to, to properly redistribute funds and to help other clubs and to raise the level of competition. Otherwise, you know, you, it's going to be Manchester City, Liverpool, probably Man United winning the title over and over again. Like I was on CBS uh, Sports Radio this morning and I said, look, the system's broken anyway. You got Juventus with a decade of wins behind them in Serie A. Same thing with, with Bayern Munich in, in the Bundesliga. Like football had problems before this. This wasn't the solution. This was a, a craven money grab. Uh, but, um, you know, those, those problems still remain and they have to be addressed. Uh, there's, there's no getting away from that. But I think we should still bask in the glory of, of what happened today. At least for 24 hours, please, Andrew. Otherwise, we have to do another podcast, The Way Forward. <laughs> um, but I, I guess it just worries me that th- I, I don't know that this new Champions League format will appease them. Uh, even with all the success that you're talking about that Juventus and, and these clubs have experienced, they still find themselves in dire financial straits, which is problematic and probably their own faults. Um, but just the fact that that's the case, you know, like they may learn from this, like the super league idea may disappear for the time being, but you know, if they go back, tweak it, we could be sitting here in five or 10 years time doing the same thing all over again, except next time they'll get it right. So, you know, UEFA, they are going to have to eventually the, the, the relationships and the ties that have been destroyed in this, uh, at some point, guys are going to have to sit back down at the table again, and they are going to have to be able to have a conversation about how they can move forward with all parties being, um, I guess, feeling like they've won in some way. Uh, Tyler from Total Soccer Show. I say this as a Man United fan. Every club that announced their intention to leave should be banned from the Champions League next year, at least. Give it to West Ham, Leicester, Everton and Leeds, and then see how it matters to clubs who don't see it as their birthright. There is there was an astonishing arrogance about this whole thing as well. Of course, oh my god, a, a dreadful arrogance. I, I, I'm honestly embarrassed that that the, the owners of our club think this way, that this is their worldview of of sport. That's, this what they were proposing would have been awful, just awful. Absolutely, and so now they come back, tail between the legs back to the league that they had shunned and now will the leagues shun them? I mean, I'm so curious how these teams will be received. Um, You know, will there still continue to be protests from fans outside of the grounds until owners decide to sell? Uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Like you said, for now, people can be happy that the sport has, uh, you know, seemingly been saved at least the way in in which we know it and love it. Um, but there's still interesting days ahead. There's no question about that. By the way, we shouldn't um, gloss over the, po- the political role uh, in, in all of this. Uh, Boris Johnson, the UK Prime Minister, this is from The Independent, emboldened by his typical populist opportunism and more significantly the support of his entire parliament, told the English football authorities he would give them full backing in terms of legislation. Mr. Johnson asked the Premier League and EFL what sanctions were available to them. 
when they said everything up to and including banishing the six from the Premier League, he asked, would they use it? The answer at that point was no, because the legal proceedings could be opened according to competition law. Mr. Johnson's response was to say that he would drop a, quote marks, legislative bomb. Many sources take that to mean that if there was a clause in competition law that would prevent the clubs being thrown out, he would use full power to have it removed. Those were the conversations that were happening prior to, as we thought the, the ESL was becoming a reality. There is, they have contravened the law, the pre Premier League rules. I don't know what rule number it is, but by attempting to join another competition, they have contravened uh, Premier League law. And it's going to be interesting, will the Premier League, the other 14 teams, decide to push ahead for sanctions of some sort? That would be very interesting. That What you're talking about, these, you know, we, we talked about the the fans and the the pressure that they put on the clubs that you know I'm sure had a significant impact but it, we can't just disregard some of the other impacts like you say the the political pressure that was put on these clubs that maybe they didn't foresee that coming um and you know the fact too that like UEFA went nuclear with their response yeah. and I don't know if the Super League clubs, didn't see that coming, didn't think UEFA had it in them to, to attack them that way. If they didn't, I mean, shame on you for thinking that UEFA would just allow this to happen uh, without exhausting every option imaginable. I, I can't believe they would be so foolish and short-sighted not to expect that. But I mean, you know, yes, the fans were a big deal in this, but like you know, the idea that players who took part would be banned from FIFA World Cup competition the fact that clubs uefa immediately would ban these clubs from competing in their domestic leagues i mean like clearly that was not part of the super league structure the super league they viewed as just being a, a champions league form a champions league-esque competition to run alongside their domestic leagues how incredibly naive was that yeah. bullet point ridiculous of course and uefa made sure that it was known immediately okay do this here are here is everything that is about to come down on you you are about to alienate yourself from the footballing community entirely. So yeah, fan pressure was a huge part of it, but everything else that needed to happen to prevent this did happen. And part of that was political and UEFA pressure as well. Ah, this day was uplifting. Yeah. God, what a crazy few days. What a turn it took. We barely published uh, podcast number two of three. This is the trilogy the trilogy of 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 caught offside the the previous one i would say was the, the people that re-listened to the champions league semi-final pods after the second legs and the champions league final podcasts and maybe our world cup stuff some of that stuff we, too. well we did a literal trilogy the uh u.s men's national team turned the page series remember oh, that, that that's right yeah we did that a was... three-part series of what went wrong what needs to happen in the future and then we talked to bruce arena and everyone <laughs> hated us for for having the gall to have him on the show in a time that was, people, that, people were not ready to hear from him. That was us not reading the room. <laughs> I'd do it again. Are so you would kidding? I. We're not turning down it was Bruce. Ridiculous. Especially when he tickled my chin a little bit. Like he, uh, I, I remember saying to him something about uh, formations, and he go, "Yeah, that's right. That's a really good point." And I was like, oh, well, thank you, Bruce. Oh, and the God. minute that minute that happened, the interview was over because I'd been sucked in by yeah, a he, compliment. 
that was it. That's all it takes. That's all um, it takes. That's about it. Uh, I would say, JJ, this has been this has been unprecedented. Like you said, we've never done a series of podcasts really quite like this, uh, diving into like this sort of um, deplorable behavior from clubs and uh, man, what, it's what, it's almost weird to think next week we'll go back to just talking about like volleys again. Volleys yeah, before we get out tonight, let's uh, can we talk about the crew union game from last weekend? <laughs> By the way, can I declare Chicharito Hernandez back? after that first goal against uh, Phil Neville's Inter-Miami. So he has inherited the bail backometer. Oh, the, 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 it's, it's called the Chichometer. Okay. <laughs> All right? Yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I'm getting that patented. Um, yeah, crazy. We'll go back to talking about soccer. Not like none of this ever happened because this story won't go away but um no i also think that would be almost irresponsible to just kind of allow everyone all these clubs off the hook like you know look i like i said the other night i'm gonna keep rooting for my team yeah but and, but, but people will want to know where does he because you you andrew excel in self-flagellation like is this going to go into overdrive now like, are you going to be walking around in sackcloth and ashes in your garden in your bare feet and your wife, Amanda, has to tell you to stop whipping yourself? On Sunday, if the Super League were still a thing, like this coming Sunday, mm. and Tottenham beat Manchester City to win their first trophy since 2008, I don't know that I would have enjoyed it. I don't, know that, I don't know how much I would have been able to celebrate it. Right. Um, That's been saved. That, day, that game has been rescued for you. It has. I, Imagine st- we, I, I still feel Mason. a little bit dirty saying that because Tottenham, like they did try to do this, <laughs> you know, had it gone the way that they had hoped and wished it would, this would have happened. So you unforgivable, at least right now. I mean, yeah. in this moment, we can talk a year from now and see if, if the temperature has come down, but like, it's still pretty fresh that you kind of tried to ruin a sport. So like, no, not yet. However, you tried I, to enter a league that you couldn't leave, that you were going to get hammered in forever. It wouldn't have been much fun. <laughs> it wouldn't have been much fun. They've been saved from themselves, quite frankly. Oh, my God. My favorite reaction was um, there's a David Brent reaction. What are you doing here? And someone, the minute that Tottenham announced they were in the Super League on Sunday, Sunday, uh, Irish journalist Conan O'Doherty just put it up there. What are you doing here? I couldn't, I kept playing it because it was so funny. I imagined like Daniel Levy walking into the room and that just being the reaction. I saw another one, JJ, a meme. Oh man, this was a really funny one. I feel bad that I don't remember who tweeted it because I would like to give them credit, but it was a picture of Arsenal fan TV, uh, Robbie, and I forget one of the other guys who was talking to him. But like underneath it, it's like the, the caption was basically, Arsenal following their third consecutive eight nil pasting. I don't know, Robbie. I'm just not sure Rob holding is super league quality. <laughs> it's just, Oh man. Oh, the jokes now that we can have. Oh, it feels we're like, laughing. Oh, we're having fun. It feels yeah. like a, you know, weight's being lifted. You know? Yeah, no, it does feel that way. Um, let's, let's get out. Let's end this. We'll be back of course next week, unless we wind up doing another emergency podcast tomorrow for, for reasons unknown to anyone. Um, maybe we probably should come back JJ and discuss in greater detail, the Europa league conference 
the third tier European competition that was also just created in this new Monday package that was announced of, of by changes the way, to the European structure. So have fun, way, like, you know, Crystal Palace and... Uh, and, we, and we slagged Alani of Vladikavkaz, uh, you know, all those teams. Wait, Rotor Volgograd. Um, we slagged off uh, the Super League for for the the total like lack of effort and thought that went into creating such a such a title we'll just call it the super league come on guys calling the like the uefa conference it's the isn't it, it's the europa league conference right oh. or the europa conference oh come on yeah. conference like what do we think of straight away the Vauxhall conference the lowest level or not the lowest level but non league football in england that's what we associate it with it's not as yeah, bad as no, the word. You're right. That word is carries a connotation, and it's not, it is the, not a prestigious one. No, it's not the worst title for a league. That goes to the Irish League in the 1980s, which was briefly named after its sponsor. Are you ready for this? The Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> League of Ireland. That's just not trying. That's just not trying. Well, look, we're making fun of it. Here we are. Like, we've slipped right back into our arrogance. There's a good chance Tottenham will be in the Europa Conference. I mean, who am I to sit here and make fun of any club for being you, in it? And you'd be happy to be there. I mean, a trophy's a trophy. If we can get one. <laughs> we'll be back next week. This has been a, a pleasant, happy ending uh, in a week that looked like it was really headed for total darkness and soccer destruction and, and can i thank the support everyone's been so kind uh you know the listeners have of the feedback has been just we haven't got feedback like this since that day that shall not be mentioned in 2017 october 2017 but it's been unbelievable and i'd like to thank everybody and you know people are saying like you know we're we're, we're really working hard and yeah we are but it's we're not down a coal mine i i just want to put that you know it's still a, it's still an enjoyable thing. No, to do, but... and no one has forced us to do this either. I think no. we just love this sport and have kind of felt compelled to to. This was like, like I joked earlier on the podcast this morning. I said, "Let allow the group therapy session to commence." But like that is how it felt. We, you and I were in a dark place, and I think it just helped us to at least talk to each other um, about what was going on. But 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 I would say this to our supporters. You know, you're imbued with the spirit of activism right now. You know, after all that's happened, you are you are energized by it. So please do not be afraid to lobby ESPN on our behalf for a raise and for more podcasts. Oh, all right. I'm dead serious when I say I won't that fight you. I won't fight you on that. <laughs> all right. Hey, this was fun, man. We'll, of course, be back again next week to take a look at the games over the weekend. Like I said, the League Cup final is this weekend. Uh, are MLS. we going to watch it together? Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Maybe we finally get together. Yeah. After, also, I don't. I don't have. Any I haven't seen you in eighteen account, months. So. I haven't touched your skin, rubbed your hair. I know. Oh, that first hug. It's going to be glorious. JJ. Oh my! I won't let go. Hey, this was fun, man. To you, I say. Check you later, Super League. See ya. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast.